Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is an apostrophe podcast production. Here's one little question that has no simple answer. How does being alone bring us closer? My name is Peg Fong. I'm a journalist and an educator. Come join me as we explore loneliness together. The first known blind date in the world happened in 1827. Five bachelors, who were part of a British garrison on a tiny island, persuaded the captain of a departing shipping vessel to return next time with five women willing to spend the rest of their lives living on the most isolated place in the world. This was not an easy swipe. It was a huge commitment for the women to come. But Captain Simon Ahm of the ship Duke of Gloucester, which sailed the southern Atlantic Ocean in the 1820s, must have been pretty persuasive. He had also, the story goes, been promised a sack of potatoes for every woman he brought back to the island. In April 1827, the ship arrived off the waters of Tristan da Cunha again. The governor of St. Helena, the administrator for Tristan, wanted written assurance the women would be looked after, and the women had been given those assurances, but they arrived with nothing else. The women, all from St. Helena, and some of them former slaves, landed on the beach, and Captain Om took off, not staying to see the men's reaction to the women he brought with him. The story goes that Thomas Swain, a 52-year-old bachelor, had vowed to take the first woman to step ashore, 
She was Sarah Jacobs, a widow, and Thomas Swain took her hand as soon as she put her foot on the island. The four other women who had come on the boat married the four other bachelors on the island. From those beginnings, the island population grew exponentially. By 1832, just five years after the five women arrived, Tristan da Cunha had a population of 34, 22 of them children. The solitary outpost had become a community. Today, it is still the most isolated island in the world where people live, and Tristan da Cunha is located in the middle of the ocean between the continents of South America and Africa. The residents who live there, all 247 of them, understand a type of loneliness like no one else. But their isolation has, for hundreds of years, been a place that others have learned from how to survive away from anyone else. Six people in the middle of the ocean can start a community where a way of life and their outlook on isolation has something to teach the rest of the world. These tidbits may give you an idea of what Tristan da Cunha is like today. No one on the island has ever met a lawyer. The word divorce has zero meaning to the residents there. There's a police officer and a jail which is made of plywood. The last time someone was arrested was, no one can remember when. And here's something straight out of a spy thriller. The only people who ever cause problems are outsiders, the yachters, people who have big seafaring vessels. One time, a man showed up, but then quickly left. Locals later found out he was wanted by Interpol. A social worker had a contract from the government for a year to work on the island, but left after the first two weeks. There was nothing for the social worker to do on Tristan. Albatross are eaten alive by mice because they didn't know how to be wary of predators. And the fish die of old age. I have tears in my eyes when I think of them. It's just, where do you meet these such wonderful, humble people? Gan Arez lives in one of the world's busiest and most expensive cities, Tel Aviv. And in his office, he keeps a colorful map of the world. On days when he wasn't busy working as a metal detection specialist, he looked at the map and his eyes would wander to remote islands. He would then look up as much as he could about those places. And one of the places that he first discovered on the map was the island called Tristan da Cunha. It is considered a British overseas territory, but it's far, far away from Britain and far, far away from where Gan Arez lives. But while web surfing in his hotel room one day, Arez saw a contest promotion by a travel agency, which had advertised a challenge to their readers. Tell us about a place on our planet that no one knows about, a destination that you dream of visiting. Arez, who was vacationing in Milan, Italy at that time, one of the world's most popular travel destinations, entered the contest, 
and told the travel agency about a place where no one from Israel had ever visited, and most people had never ever heard of. There were 3,000 entries, and Arez won the prize. Winning was the easy part. Figuring out how to get there was more difficult. Only two boats in the world, fishing boats, have a contract to go to Tristan da Cunha, and they have a place for about 12 passengers every time. There's a boat that leaves every six weeks or so. Tourists are the last on their list of priority for a seat on those 12 spots. A maximum of 30 tourists a year are able to get to the island. Milan, by the way, where Arez was when he entered the travel contest, gets about 8.8 million visitors a year. The travel agency would pay for his trip to Tristan da Cunha. Now, Arez just had to figure out how to get there. He figured that if he asked for an arrival time four months in the future, that would give him plenty of time for the arrangements to be made. His answer back from the island was the next opening was nine months from then, and he would have to stay for two months in order to get a seat on the ship back. After almost a year, Arez was on his way. He flew from Tel Aviv to Istanbul, to South Africa, where he boarded a 60-meter fishing boat. And then he traveled for seven more days on that fishing boat. It just passes day by day. It's very strange to, to be on that boat and say, wow, we have another four days, we have another three days. But then, finally, after all that time passed, what he saw was something in the distance. And it was a really, really remote island, hundreds of kilometers away. And slowly, it became bigger and bigger. And then one day, he had arrived. But the thing was, when you do arrive, the sea is only calm enough, maybe once in every five days, to allow people to get through to the shore. So you had to be okay with that. Luckily, it was a fine day. And I just couldn't believe it. I, I just couldn't believe that I arrived. I just, I just, for a whole day, I was like, you know, shaking my head. I can't believe that I'm here. He had one request before he arrived. As there are no hotels and no restaurants, he would be staying with families. Arez asked if he could stay with a talkative family. They all were talkative and patient, answered every question he had, because he was so fascinated by being in a place so far away from anything he had known. Whenever he mentioned things like lawyer, mortgage, travel, the people there didn't know what they were talking about. And then when he talked about some of the issues that they had in Israel with rockets and terrorists, that to the residents at Tristan seemed out of the world for them. Some of the basic stuff that he says that you have anywhere in the world, like traffic jams, didn't really register with the residents there. They didn't know what a lawyer does, and nobody had ever eaten in a restaurant. And that, to him, was just breathtaking. Arez can list off the things they don't have on Tristan da Cunha. They don't have a landing strip. They don't have a proper port or a marina. The island officials have turned down enormous amounts of money from people who want to move there, people who think that money will open the way for them to live on the most remote place in the world. 
they all get rejected. Sometimes newcomers do arrive. They married a local. It's happened once or twice, and they were welcomed in by the community. On the first day he arrived, Arez received a handwritten note inviting him to a wedding. He was surprised to get an invite, but learned everyone goes to the celebrations, as everyone goes to funerals. And on that wedding day, Arez found out something else, that everyone who can shows up. But what amazed him was the people who couldn't go because they were elderly or sick. The bride and groom, before their ceremony began, were driven around in a car to visit anyone who wasn't able to make it and to bring them cake and receive their blessings before the ceremony. While he was there, people knitted sweaters for him to take home to his children or gave him presents or kids showed up with drawings they had done. Every day, he received something. And he also arrived on the island with his own gifts. He brought with him a metal detector. And one night, he buried coins in the yard by the school and came into the classroom the next day to teach the kids about how to use the metal detector. He taught the residents how to make falafels. Arez was the first Israeli to ever visit Tristan da Cunha, and he brought a flag with him. When the residents on the island hung up the flag, Arez says it was one of the happiest moments he ever had. It was nature and the wildlife there that most surprised Gan Arez. The water was the best he'd ever drank, and there was an unlimited supply of it. You could go up to a bird and touch them, he claimed, because they hadn't been taught to be afraid of people or show any fear of predators. He asked to go out fishing one day with the residents, and the fishing there, he said, was just incredible. The fish die of old age. Nobody catches them. He went fishing for an hour and a half and caught 17 fish, before the residents said, we really don't need any more fish. Erez realized of all the things he learned there and saw there, one thing was missing in the most remote island of the world loneliness. What Arez learned was that life there is not for everybody. It's not for most people that he knew. Probably most people would not understand what the attraction was because the loneliness did not come from the locals. The residents are not lonely. They chose this way of life. In the community, Arez learned that when people were bored or about to be lonely, they went to visit their neighbor. They invited themselves over for coffee or invited someone else over for cake. They don't have a bakery on the island, so every day people baked. They baked bread or cakes, and they sat with each other and chatted. Hold that thought. Get some cake. We'll be right back. Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? 
United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. If you're enjoying this episode, you may also like Froom, the town that cured loneliness. Season 1, episode 11. You'll find it in our archives, wherever you download your pods. Even though Tristan as an island is isolated, you're surrounded by people you know and there's like community and love. Whereas in London, even though you're surrounded by people, you feel more isolated than ever. Like I, I some people were walking past me, I, no one was saying hello, no one was smiling. Like I had no idea who these people were and they were complete strangers to me. And I was in smack bang in the UK, I was in the busiest city and I felt more alone there as I do on Tristan sometimes. Jade Rapetto grew up on Tristan da Cunha, a place where, in comparison, there are fewer people than those who live in her residence at university in Bournemouth in the UK. Before the pandemic started, her family were on the Isle of Man for a visit. But when shutdowns began, they ended up staying in Britain. At first, it took some adjusting. She had come from a place where there was just one shop, one pub, one school, and not much choice. And then she arrived at the Isle of Man, with its 8,200 or so residents, compared to 200 or so in Tristan da Cunha. She gets homesick at times, being so far away from Tristan. There is food there that she can't get in England, including the potatoes from Tristan. They're drier than other potatoes. And Jade explains there is a certain mealiness from Tristan potatoes 
that are not found in potatoes elsewhere. Some of the things she can get off the island almost compensate for the lack of Tristan potatoes. Doritos. When she was 11, her dad brought back from Cape Town a packet of Doritos, and Jade said she realized how many options there were available off the island that she hadn't known existed. On Tristan, sometimes it gets to the point where you like, you actually feel a bit like I'm in the middle of nowhere. You know, there's, there's no getting me off here if I need to. With the Isle of Man, you've got flights, you've got ferries, and the ferries go, I think, two times a day. So it's a bit more like you can breathe. For myself, I breathed a little easier knowing that I wasn't smack bang in the middle of nowhere, you know? Moving away from Tristan da Cunha, Jade Rapetto says it has taken her some time to adjust to living off the island. And during those times of isolation and quarantining in the early days of the pandemic, she learned it's a good thing she knows what it's like to be on her own. As an individual, we all have our points of loneliness and sometimes we self-isolate. We close ourselves off and we just want to be alone for a little bit, which is absolutely fine. Sometimes you need that that little time on your own as isolation. And then sometimes it goes too far and then you, you genuinely feel a little lost, a little afraid because it's gotten to the point now where you genuinely don't know when you're going to be interacting with people again and stuff. Like the lockdown definitely opened people's eyes, I think. When she started at university and classes were online, there were days when Jade said she didn't talk to anyone. And then another day like that, and another. That's when the Tristan side of her, as she calls it, takes over. The isolation she was used to, Jade says. But the loneliness she was not. On Tristan, she was never lonely, yet there was an awareness of isolation. But when surrounded by others, in places where people were, she began to recognize for the first time that there was isolation in loneliness. She had never known loneliness in isolation before. Everyone's got their own lives, and you can just see like the busy streets, everyone's rushing everywhere, getting on with their lives, and you have no idea what's happening, and you're getting on with your life and everyone's just content that way. Like they don't care if their paths overlap or they meet. They're just, you know, focused on either their career or their family or they've got whatever going on, they've got going on. And it just felt really weird. Like as someone coming from the remotest island, standing in the biggest city, it was just a really weird moment, to be honest. When there were people around and she didn't feel any connection to them or they didn't have any connection to her, That was lonely. If you're a pub goer, you may be interested in grabbing a pint at the Albatross Bar, located in the Prince Philip Hall on Tristan da Cunha. The place is billed as the most remote bar in the world, you can get a free beer there if you have a voucher. The voucher is given out by Bushy's Brewery, 10,000 kilometers away, located on the Isle of Man. A few years ago, owner Martin Brunsweiler received a call out of the blue from a government official who had noticed that Bushy's specialized in putting unusual items in its beer, including oysters. The call was from the UK representative for Tristan da Cunha, 
and he explained that they had a number of unusual berries on the island and asked Brunsweiler if he would be interested in collaborating with them and making a beer out of the berries from Tristan. It would give the island some exposure because they were so remote. At the time, there were only 267 people living there. And I think a lot of the time they feel quite, uh, they feel like the world doesn't know about them. And uh, they're always looking for uh, ways of, of getting noticed and putting themselves on the map. Brunsweiler loved the idea, and soon he was in touch with the family on Tristan. And they went up into the hills to pick these specialty berries called red rum berry, which has prickly thorns on them. He asked the family to preserve the berries in a sugary syrup. The berries were then collected by the British Royal Navy. A British Navy boat was passing by, and they picked up the box with the berries in the sugary syrup and took that box several thousand miles north, where an airfield was there, and they flew the berries back to the UK, where Brunsweiler collected them and brought them over to the Isle of Man. You could almost say it's got the worst carbon footprint in the world, these berries. The berries were quite sour, but the beer turned out well. The family who picked the berries traveled from Tristan da Cunha to the Isle of Man for the launch of the beer in 2015 and pulled the first pint. A few months after the beer was launched in the Isle of Man, Brunsweiler and his wife made their way to Tristan. They brought over brewing equipment for the family, who helped them so they could set up their own brewery on the island. That family, Robin and Don Rapetto, and their two daughters, ended up back on the Isle of Man. The Rapetto family had a six-month-long plan to stay in the UK to get their daughter, Jade, settled in university. They left in February 2020, but because of the pandemic, they hadn't been allowed to move back. So they're staying put on the island until the time comes for them to return to Tristan. Home for the Rapetto family will always be on a remote island in the Atlantic Ocean. But anywhere can be home, because Tristan is always with them, even if they're somewhere else. The welcome outsiders get when they arrive on Tristan da Cunha is the welcome they're giving to others they meet off the island. When Jade Rapetto was 11 years old, a bag of Doritos from Cape Town, South Africa, made her realize that the world outside of Tristan da Cunha was worth exploring. She had been surrounded her whole life by a community of 247 people who themselves were surrounded by nothing else. In the most remote inhabited community in the world, the people who live there are used to being on their own and being with each other. What Jade Rapetto found after she arrived in the UK to attend university in Bournemouth was that being surrounded by nothing doesn't make you lonely if on that place are the people who know you and love you. What is lonely is being in a place where people walk by you on busy streets and no one stops to ask who you are, if you need help, or if you're lost. Jade Rapetto believes it's impossible to get lost on Tristan, 
And that's what makes it a place where it's not possible to be lonely. The social fabric of the island is interwoven between people, their shared history, their ties, and their connection to the place. It is also a place where Gan Arez and Martin Brunsweiler visited as outsiders, but left feeling like the belonging on the island was something that could be spread and felt even when you're far, far away. Arez asked one of the Tristan residents this question, what happens if a neighbor is mean to you? What happens when there's disputes or arguments? It took a long time for the Tristan resident to come up with an answer for Arez. He couldn't remember a time when there were disputes. As for being mean to someone else, why would that happen? Everyone gets along, not because they have to, but because they've never known any other way. When you are one of 247 in the middle of nowhere, you are never alone. Surviving in a place of isolation can start with a handful of people who build a community where there's no room for loneliness. We may be alone, but we are alone together. Alone Together was directed by Callie O'Reilly. Sound engineer is Jeff Devine. Theme music by Ian Lefevre and Ari Posner. Producers Allison Pinches and Guillermo Serrano. I'm the host and writer, Peg Fong. Subscribe and download our podcasts wherever you get your pods. And follow us on social media at apostrophe pod. Executive producer is Terry O'Reilly. 